Hey everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a podcast about reclaiming the place of priority relationship is providentially intended to hold in your life. You know, we live in a world where community is far too often pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things, but the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As believers, we have the choice to prioritize connection in our life every day and to live face to face with God and people. In this show, I'll be number one, sharing research which supports the importance of relationship, number two, giving you tools to help you improve your interpersonal connections, and number three, sharing writings that I have done in the past on the importance of community. It is my sincere hope that the content presented in this podcast equips you to better serve and love others. To access my past and future articles, subscribe to my YouTube channel or purchase a copy of my books, visit homeschoolerponderings.blogspot.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Restoring Rapport podcast. I'm super excited for this one again uh, to record this episode. Um, This is a continuation of the last episode, which is um, Protecting Family Time Part One. And in the last episode, we kind of discussed, I kind of discussed some, um, I kind of addressed the problem. Okay, and in this episode, I'm going to try and provide some potential solutions to that problem. Um, so if you'd like to go back and listen to the first one before you listen to this one, you'd probably get more out of it. But, um, you know, listening to this one is fine as well. Um, so today I, um, I'm going to go through part two um, of my article as well, because part one I covered last week. And um, this is a two part article I did called Redeeming the Family Model and Strengthening Community Amidst a Pandemic of Loneliness and a Culture of Individualism. And um, exactly like the podcast format, in the first uh, article of the series, I addressed the problem. And then part two, what we're going to cover today, I go over quite a few um, potential solutions to um, the problem. And mainly, I'm encouraging the the uh, families to spend time together more and protect that time that they're supposed to spend together. And I'm going to go over seven ways that you can do that in today's article. Um, And another thing that I wanted to interject here before I get started is that uh, my podcast episodes are going to vary in length. Um, These two are going to be about 30 minutes a piece. Um, but as for future podcasts that I'll record, um, they could be anywhere from five minutes to, you know, up to 30 as well. So 30 is probably the max that I'll do unless I'm doing an interview or something, um, like an interview series with somebody that I know. Um, but if I'm not doing that, you know, that could take up to an hour or 45 minutes or so. But if I'm just doing a solo episode, I'll probably keep it around 30 minutes max because, um, I know it can get kind of monotonous just listening to one person talk for that long about something that could, you know, could be kind of, um, you know, tedious or boring, even if it is important. Um, So I'll try to keep it at uh, a shorter time period for most of you. I know some of you who will listen will actually appreciate the longer episodes because that means that you can listen for longer and uh, you you might listen to podcasts all day in your at your workplace or wherever. so I know you'll like those, but mostly I'll try to keep them. So I would just want to give you a time frame, how much they would be normally. And most of the time they're going to be around 30 minutes um, in length. So with that being said, let's go ahead and start the episode today. Um, and let me read you the opening paragraph just to, so you get an idea of kind of what this article is that I'm going to be um, kind of summarizing and talking to you 
about today. In part one of this article, I discussed cultural and cultural ideologies and issues that undermine the family in today's culture. In this post, part two, I will discuss several steps that can be taken with intentionality in order to reprioritize and defend the family unit. People might wonder how to prioritize and improve the family model when we live in a culture where work and vocation demand so much of our time. While it may be difficult, I would argue that it is absolutely possible. It might just require more intentionality in today's culture than it once did. And um, for those of you who've listened to part one, I talked about, you know, the agricultural area being more conducive to healthy families than this industrial area, this industrial era that we're living in today. Um, but today I'm just going to tell you that it is still possible to maintain a healthy family, um, you know, working a, a nine to five job, um, and sending the kids away to school. So, um, today I'm going to give you seven, uh, seven alternatives, you know, alternative ways of living that you can consider to, um, keep the family a high priority in your life. And the first one is um, simply consider alternatives and changes. Okay, so being open to new ideas, um, being open to not the standard, being open to something that goes kind of against status quo. Um, many of my friends are, are self-employed that I know. They have a, a business, they're an entrepreneur of some kind. Um, I mentioned a couple of them in last episode, a couple scenarios in last episode. Um, and those are amazing ways that you can still provide and at the same time be present, you know, um, with your family. Another, um, tip that I've heard one of my favorite authors talk about is the concept of involving your children and your spouse in your work, even if you can't be with them all the time. So for example, if you know, you're, I don't know if you have some sort of project that your work is requiring, bringing your kids in on that, bringing your spouse in on that, that could really help, um, build the family up. Um, so anyway, I'm going to read you the uh, first little section that I wrote on considering alternatives and changes um, to help prioritize your family. Make every effort to create space for every opportunity that could build your family. Be open to drastic change. If possible for you, consider homeschooling, working from home, develop dropping, sorry, not developing, dropping extracurricular activities, pursuing careers which could provide an income capable of support, supporting a family without demanding too much time, etc., um, consider and evaluate the possibility of whatever drastic action you feel is necessary in order to prioritize connection in your relationships. So pretty much I'm saying do whatever is necessary for you and your situation. Do whatever you feel like you're being led to by the Holy Spirit do to make your family a priority. Um, I know my story kind of in this area is um, my parents uh, chose an alternative lifestyle so that we could have a healthy family. My mom and dad were both um, English teachers. Um, they've taught in public, private, college, um, pretty much anywhere you can think of. Um, they both have their master's in English. And when I was born, my mom decided to drop, you know, her career, her individual career in order to keep me at home and homeschool me. And um, in order to spend that much time with me, um, and prevent me from going away for most of the day. And that has been one of the most impacting, impactful things that has happened in my life. I really appreciate that decision. Um, and I think, I think if a lot of parents knew the benefits of doing that, they would seriously consider it um, more than they do. And I know that there are sacrifices. I mean, they cut their income in half. They were making, you know, two 
two salaries and now they're only making one because dad's the only one working but they considered that worth it to keep me at home um and spend that and have that much more time with me growing up you know at the time they they did it mostly out of they wanted to train me right and raise me right but later it became i think it became clear to them that they're actually so much more involved in my life because they made that decision and so for those of you who can do that, who are capable of, you know, financially um, doing that, I you can do it. Um, I'd strongly encourage you to do it. There are sources you can check out. Um, definitely, I'm a huge, as a, I was homeschooled uh, K through 12. All my pre-college educational experience was as a homeschooler. Um, and I it was really one of the best things that ever happened to me. So definitely an advocate of that. That's something that, that's a really good tool to actually, uh, create more time that the family can spend together because I'm not at school all day. I'm at home, if that makes sense. And my mom is there with me. The only one not there during the day is my dad. And my dad um, is actually another great example of considering alternatives and changes because he chose a career that even though he has to leave during the day, it was still a very um, conducive career to having a family because he only works five days a week, you know, Monday through Friday as a teacher. Um, he has Saturdays and Sundays off and um, his he gets the summers off as a teacher. Right. So that's that's a huge benefit time wise to pursuing a career in education um, is that you have more time to spend with your family. And that's actually why I've chosen personally to do that. I've chosen to be an educator um, largely because. I value the time that it's going to free up for me um, and that it provides a, you know, a livable income while still giving me the time to give to what I think matters most, if that makes sense, like my marriage and my uh, family. So um, that those are just some options for you to consider, you know, um, consider alternatives, you know, pursue careers that provide an income and still give you time, um, you know, homeschooling, you know, entrepreneurship, creating a family business where you're entirely where your entire family is working towards a goal together. That's another great way to do it where you're all um, you're all the source of each other's livelihood, if that makes sense. Um, and then I'll move on now to number two, and that is be intentional with the time that you have. So the second thing you can do to protect family time is be intentional with the time that you do have together. So take family time that you do have and maximize what happens in that time. Parents who work long, long hours to support their children can still be heavily involved in family life during the free time they do have. Children who are locked into the educational system for most of the day can still have bonding time with their family after school. Couples who work at separate institutions still have the opportunity to reconvene and bond with one another in the evenings. Maximize that time. So basically this point is just saying you're still going to have, you know, no matter how busy you are, it's still possible to have free time. So take that free time and use it for what matters most. For example, um, I know a lot of kids get off of school and then they have, you know, sports practice or something. And then they come home, eat dinner, have homework, then go to bed and do the same thing the next day. Okay. And that is, that is no way to live. I would argue, um, that they're not, those children are, 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 um, they, they can't, they're not receiving what they need from the family by doing that. Okay. And the family's not receiving what it needs from the children when that situation is going on. Okay. And, um, so that's just something to consider maybe cutting some things out, you know, 
And um, whatever you think you can cut out, just cut out and just say no. You have the power to say no. One of my favorite books talks about the power in just saying, no, I'm not doing that. And um, what that can do for your life, the benefits that can bring for your life. Number three is um, craft rhythms and traditions specifically designed to bond and strengthen community. So what I basically mean by number three is make things, make traditions that your family does together that are protected. So let me read you the paragraph that I did on this. Rather than engage in a plethora of individual activities during recreational free time, create opportunities for family-centered entertainment and quality time. Eat at the same table at the same time with your family, spouse, or community. There's something indescribable about eating a meal together, satisfying a basic human need that you can't escape. Think of all the times in scripture where Jesus ate a meal with people. On the road to Emmaus, Jesus goes out of his way to stop and commune through a meal with two men, and it's at that moment when the bread was broken that they realize that they recognize him for who he truly is. That man, that is just amazing. My point is that at the table, you're going to see a part of God's heart that you won't see anywhere else. Okay, and that's really important. I think that um, the table as a value, as a, an American value, has kind of become lost a little bit by. A lot of families, um, you know, a lot of times, once again, because of their busy schedules, you know, I think of spouses eating at separate times, you know, and children eating at separate times because of their parents, because it's convenient. And that is tempting because it's individually convenient to eat whenever you feel like it. But if you have a time when your entire family assembles together and gathers around a table and eats together, that's really going to help your, your bonding with each other, I would say. And let me continue the article here. Anything that Jesus did on his during his time on this earth should be modeled by ourselves. And to use the words of one author, Jesus was a specialist in eating in other people's homes. Um, and that's from Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of a Kingdom um, by Frank Viola. That's a very good book. Highly recommend it. Um, following the example of Jesus and taking advantage of mealtimes as a bonding opportunity for your families, marriages, and communities is a great way to do that. Okay? So, just taking advantage of mealtimes. Um is a great way to, um, you know, protect the family time with that you have with your family. Another way that you can do that is, um, I mentioned creating traditions. Um, you can also create special things that are not mealtimes. Like my family does Advent, or we used to do Advent when we were littler, um, when we were younger. Um, Advent is just basically you read a chapter a day starting, I think, on the first day of December, and then you move up to Christmas, and it's basically the Christmas story told from the perspective of a fictional character. So, and you light a candle uh, at each each week each week or so leading up to the um, leading up to the December twenty fifth, and it's just a great way for families to gather together in the evenings and do something together. You know, um, that can be a really good one. Another thing is have a family project. Um, you know, some of my best friends uh, renovate their house, um, and they, it's really an integrated family event. Um, they're really involved. They're each really involved in the, uh, process. I know they actually laid the floor, um, the kids and the parents were like laying the floor. Um, and you know, one, the one parent might be in charge of, you know, the getting the people to do it. I think they got Amish people to help them renovate. And, you know, the other parent was involved in the construction work and the kids were laying the floor and it was just a great little uh, project for the family. So that's another way thing you could do is just have a project, have a family project, a shared goal that you're moving towards um, as a family, as a marriage, you know, as a community. 
Um, what I'm, I was listening to the Focus on the Family podcast one day, and one of the things they discussed that couples need is um, they need uh, side-to-side time where they're working together towards a task. They need face-to-face time where they're um, sharing with one another and engaging with one another on a conversational level, you know, um, bonding that way. And then they need um, uh, stomach-to-stomach time, which is basically, you know, um, sexual intimacy. And those are three things that couples need to um, be to develop a healthy connection with each other. And, um, you know, the one that sticks out to me there that I think a lot of couples miss is the the side to side time, you know, where they're working together towards a goal. So just make that a priority. Um, and I think that's really good. And that the example I gave was for marriage, but I think that works for families, too. Right. Like if you're side to side working towards a goal, um, you're really going to, that's really going to be a bonding opportunity. All right. Number four, schedule frequent events for your family to build relationship with others. Okay. This is a really big one. Um, I think a lot of times we forget the value of simply having another family over for dinner and visiting, you know, um, I, they think we think of that as kind of like a lost art maybe, or hospitality is kind of like fallen by the wayside or whatever, but really that's a really great way to, um, keep your family, not only your family strengthened, but the community that your family interacts in, keep that strong. Okay. Cause it's not just your family that matters. It's the relationships that you build with others as a family that matters too. your family has to have other families, um, coming around and supporting each other in like a mutual support system. Okay. And like a mutual, um, I don't want to say what's the word that I'm looking for. It's not symbiotic, but it's like, um, everyone is, it is kind of, but I, it's, I don't want to make it sciency. It's more like it's organic. It's healthy friendship with other people, with other people. And, um, I'm going to read the little, the little paragraph I wrote on that. Many couples and families across the nation who have means to do so have held on to the many families and couples across the nation who have the means to do so have held on to the family tradition of an annual vacation. Okay. This is a great opportunity. This is a very honorable and critical reservation to make for the family. Field trips, short or long, are another way to preser- present your family with a shared experience designed to strengthen familial connection. So when I was little, um, we often went on vacation with another family, and this lasted for, you know, quite a quite a while. Like uh, it was a week, a week or two th- type thing. And as I got older, we would camp across the entire nation. Um, with families, right? So we would go on huge long camping trips and we would take another family um, with us. And that would be a huge bonding time, not only for the family, but for the families, plural, right? So the families that went, that would be a huge bonding opportunity for them. And we still do that. We just got back from one um, this year. Number five, manage your yes. Okay, this is really huge. Perhaps one of the most foundational concepts necessary for the creation of thriving families and relationships is the understanding of what one author refers to as rings of intimacy. In today's culture, especially with the exponential growth of technology, people have more access to your time and energy than you might realize. Even if you're a fairly reclusive person and don't have many friends, I would venture to guess that hundreds of people have access to your time and energy through social media, smartphone, and email. With a quick message dial, or in some cases, the mere touch of a virtual button, just about anybody can enter your life and gain access to a certain degree of your time and thought. Now, as an avid practitioner, as an avid practitioner of and promoter of healthy relationship and community, 
I'm the last person to argue that this hyperconnectivity has no beneficial purpose. I'm simply arguing that because of the high level of accessibility we subject ourselves to through phones, social media, the internet, and life in a world of people, it becomes especially important for us to know how to manage our valuable resource, our yes. Encapsulated within our yes lies the very treasure of our soul, our heart, our time, our energy, our attention, and our thought. Whatever you give your yes to reflects what you value. In the words of Jesus, for where your thesaurus is, your heart will be also. That's the Greek word for the treasure verse that everybody loves. Uh, Matthew 6, 21, uh, BSB version. If the world has the same access to your yes that your family does, don't expect to have a good family. If your job has the same access to your yes that your marriage does, don't expect a warm marriage. It's a pretty easy pr uh, principle, really. Whatever you give your yes to is what you value. So whether you realize it or not, every action you take is a yes to something, and every yes is a thousand no's. To quote Steve Jobs, I'm going to quote Steve Jobs here. <clears throat> People think focus means saying yes to the thing you've got to focus on, but that's not what it means at all. It means saying no to the hundred other ide good ideas that there are. You have to pick carefully. I'm actually as proud of the things we haven't done as the things I have done. Innovation is saying no to a thousand things. Man, that is such a good quote. Okay, so it's pretty much saying the importance of giving your yes is kind of that your yes is determined by what you're saying no to as well, right? So you can't say yes to the things that matter most unless you're saying no to things that don't matter as much, okay? That is a huge principle to keep in mind uh, when you're trying to prioritize family time. What if the poor distribution of our yes is the only thing keeping us from the homeliest hearth of a strong family and the softest caress of a warm marriage? What if saying no to a neighbor's invitation to dinner on your wed wedding anniversary is actually the right decision? <laughs> what if saying no to a workplace convention on your daughter's birthday is giving your yes to what really matters? What if saying no to a limelit career as a CEO of a large corporation to raise children is actually a desirable trade? What if enrolling in a local college rather than moving across country for a full ride to Harvard is actually honorable? Wow, that's a big one. What if saying no to your pastor in order to spend more time with your hungry wife is living a life of conviction? Wow. What if the failure to what if the failure of the modern western family can largely be encapsulated in two words, misplaced priorities? Okay. This is a big um section of what I wrote here because it's such an important concept of what we give your yes to. What you give your yes to is what you value. Um and it's pretty simple, but I think it's really important to say that. To quote uh, Danny Silk, life coach and relational, relational counselor based in Sacramento, California, boundaries communicate value. People within the inner circles of your heart should be given more of your yes than people in the outer circles. Why? Because not all relationships are created equal. Families will be strengthened when the members see one another protecting each other's place of priority from externalities which would threaten connection. Today, I'm arguing that in order for the family to be prioritized in the midst of a world with few walls and plenty of external requests and opportunities, it's important to create circles of access designed to protect the families and innermost relationships. Not everything and everyone should have equal access to your yes. As followers of Jesus, we are called to prioritize our family. We are called to we are called to love every we are not called, I'm sorry, we are not called to love everything and everything everything and everyone equally, nor give our yes to everything to ev to everything and everyone that we meet. In fact, to do so would violate the boundaries God designed to protect marriage, family, and close community. So this is really big. Once again, just going along with the concept of where you give your yes 
shows what you value, okay? And to close the paragraph off, I'll read you the last bit here. It says, because saying that you love everyone equally is just a nice way of saying that there is nobody special to you in the entire world. While it might be, while, while it might initially seem fair, treating everyone equally communicates a lack of value to the people who you love the most. Wow, that's so good. And then number six, tip number six, restore the father to the home. For whatever reason, the role of breadwinning is considered a more desirable is, I'm sorry, let me start over. For whatever reason, the role of breadwinning is considered to be more desirable than the role of homemaking in today's society. For many families, this misconception on the part of mainstream culture has caused marital tension over who gets to pursue a career rather than who gets to stay home, okay? While there are harmful while there are harmful feministic ideologies that push for women to be liberated from the home as if it were an evil, I would argue that the large percentage that the large percentage of culture's negative view of homemaking comes from poor fatherhood. Many men have, have historically and not notoriously fled the scene of the home while shouting excuses about being relationally ignorant and emotionally and emotionally unintelligent to appease their conscience. Whew. To any bystander, based on their actions, the home would be would often be labeled a burden rather than a treasure. Okay, so to any people watching, based on our actions, we would they would think that you know, the home isn't something to be valued because here we are fighting for who gets to pursue a career. The husband wants to pursue a career. The wife wants to pursue a career when really what if the goal all along should both be who gets to stay home? You know, what if, what if, what if instead of fighting for who gets to pursue a career, they were fighting for who gets to stay home? What if we had dads voluntarily saying, Hey, I would love to, um, play the role of homemaking in my household. What if we had moms who were saying, I would love to play the whole role of homemaking in our household. What if we had parents who together said we would love to play the role of homemaking in the household, man, I think that's so, so powerful. Instead of fighting over who gets to do something that doesn't even matter as much, which is pursue a career. Okay. That the reason you're doing that is should be to support your family, right? It shouldn't be for your own personal gain. In my opinion, once again, you don't, you can disagree. Um, the remedy to the poor concept of home that our culture has adopted is for fathers to begin proactively seeking for ways to be involved in the family and the home rather than being stere stereotypically distant and unemotionally, mentally, and physically uninvolved. Sharpening and practicing good fatherhood skills will renew the concept of homes making and simultaneously repair family meltdowns and crime rates which have been linked to fatherless homes. And throughout this article, I've been giving sources to back up what I'm saying because I am young and my opinion might not count as much unless I use other people's words. So I've been using a lot of um, sources for this article. And finally, we're about to close off this podcast with a uh, problem with uh, solution number seven to um, the issue of time being taken from families. Number seven, say no to workaholism. In the, eight, in the 1800s, there was once a man, an inventor, who, who was and is considered to be one of the most successful, influential men of all time. When questioned by writer Orson Martin concerning the key to his untiring energy and phenomenal endurance, the man's response indicated that he had worked an average of 20 hours per day for the last 15 years. This living factory of a man would even joke that though he was only 47 years old, he was really more like 82 if you considered how many eight-hour days he worked under his gruesome schedule. Okay, that is insane, but moving on. <laughs> he valued productivity and industrialism to such an extent that he made it one of his many life goals to get rid of the one thing which stood between himself and an even greater ROI, sleep. 
He hated sleep and the limitation it entailed referring to it as heritage from our cave days. Naturally, following the groove of his thought, his intentions modeled this belief, and in 1879, he created the light bulb, an invention which, according to one author, helped him cheat sleep. Um, and that's from Tell with Hustle, page 53. As you might now realize, this man was Thomas Edison. You probably realized that when I said um, the light bulb. <laughs> you might wonder why I brought this up. What, what does the light bulb have to do with preserving and protecting the family in our lives? My point is that in spending 20 hours per day working, you're inevitably, you're inevitably pushing healthy relationship to the back burner, okay? During the time Edison did this, he had a wife and a family. And that's according to a book called The Keys to Fruitfulness by uh, Charles Babers, page 26. Unsurprisingly, according to one source, Edison often neglected his family throughout his life. Edison's spirit of industrialism, if not kept in check, will kill marriages families, and communities quicker than nearly anything else by demanding so much of the individuals, yes, that meaningful relational exchange in any form becomes impossible. Bill Gates, a modern-day giant of the business world, demonstrates this principle beautifully in his last blog post of 2018. Gates wrote that in his 20s, the questions he asked himself revolved solely around how to better his business and improve Microsoft. At age 63, Gates wrote that he also asked himself other questions. Did I devote enough time to my family? Did I develop new friendships and deepen old ones? Wow. So that just tells you right there, man, that as you age, people can sometimes realize what matters. I'm sure you've heard the analogy of people who on their deathbed don't wish that they would have, you know, uh, launched a better business or that they would have worked harder on their career, but instead they wish that they would have spent more time with their family and their friends. And man, that is a concept that Americans, I think, need to get more now than ever. Um, man, so important. Um, moving on. Simply put, I'm suggesting that we reject the workaholic ideologies of Edison and ask ourselves the questions that Gates put to himself. When an opportunity comes knocking, which promises the advancement of personal success or even great breakthrough at the cost of family and community, look it in the eye and say no. When your work begins to push you towards long hours that you believe will damage your familial connection, say no. When the flashing lights of entertainment begin to blind you to the presence of your family, say no. When your school begins to encroach into family time, say no. Just say no. You have the power to do that. To the degree that community is prioritized, the glorious organisms called marriage and family will prevail against the industrial ideologies and career-centered par paradigms which would seek to leave us lonely and robbed of all humanness. And then I give my um, 17 sources. And this article, the point that I you know, mostly had in writing this is that the family should be a higher priority in your life than it is for many Americans. And to summarize both these two episodes, episode one and two of the podcast of protecting family time, the main thing that you can do, I, th I would say, is recognize that your time is being pulled many directions by life, okay? And that family should not be giving up its time for lesser entities okay so family time should be protected um the time that you spend on relationships and your marriage should be protected at all costs you know whatever you have to cut to make that happen um whatever you have to do squeeze in to make that happen um you should make it happen and that's kind of the whole point of this these podcasts and i hope that in the first one i was able to address the problem well and in the second podcast i hope that i was able to give you these seven ideas to protecting family time. I hope that I was able to do that well. Um, so 
And once again, I'm out of time for today on this podcast, but um, next time we're going to discuss an issue somehow related to um, relationship again. I won't tell you what that is yet. Um, So um, I look forward to seeing you guys next time or here. I look forward to talking to you guys next time. And um, thank you so much for listening today.